0: Hello, welcome to episode 22 of Virtually Relevant. I'm Eric.
1: I'm Josh. This is Kevin.
0: Hey, I'm William. And it has been a uh, busy few weeks in the, the VR world. Obviously, the the big news is the, the Quest 2 launch, and we'll definitely be getting into that in detail. But uh, first, let's hit a couple of news items. We have got an FDA approval for the first virtual reality device approved for the treatment of chronic pain. Uh, Josh, you want to talk about
1: that?
2: Yeah, uh, just real quick highlight. Um, this is big news because it's actually FDA approved. There's been a lot of different medical treatments that are in trials or just in kind of a therapeutic um, arena in, in the uh, health and medical care. Um, but Applied VR, uh, based out of Los Angeles, uh, has announced today that their Ease VR X headset. Has received uh, what's called the breakthrough device designation from the FDA. So it allows them to essentially like prescribe the headset as a treatment for uh, what they they're using for fibromyalgia and chronic intractable lower back pain. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. And once the you know the the FDA and these these uh, mountains of red tape start to get cleared. <laughs> Um, there will there will pave a way for other companies to follow, it's kind of in their footsteps, right? Do we know uh, if it's basically distraction therapy? I mean, what is the what is the mechanism
0: of action for this?
2: Uh, that's a great question. I'll have to dig deeper into this, and maybe this is All something right. that we should come back to as a, yeah. a deeper dive into health and medicine. We should we
0: should do because there's been yeah. I know at least one other product that did get FDA approved, uh, which was Vivid the Vision. Vivid Vision, yeah, for strabismus. Uh, yep. lazy eye treatment so yeah, they were
3: the first fda approved vr product ever I right
0: i'm pretty sure yeah and it so, cures it yes that is actually yeah, I which would say, is uh pretty crazy which is pretty yep. pretty amazing so
3: so switching gears from serious to less serious <laughs> uh sony came out uh and kevin and i were talking about this before we started Ke- sony came out and said that the new ps5 camera will not work with psvr but there is a bit of a silver lining right kevin oh
1: okay i'm i'm sorry uh i in the beginning i i was kind of mis misreading that um uh well so i'm I'm not too sure, actually, with the, the PS5 camera not working with PSVR. Yeah, they
3: confirmed it. Uh, okay. I, saw, I was reading an okay. article yeah. earlier today. They confirmed that the PSVRs that are out now and the current PSVR generation will not work with the new PS5 camera. Okay, You will need a PS4 camera, which comes with the headset. Um, you will need the PS4i camera. I think they just call it PlayStation camera um, mm. to work with current gen PSVR.
1: Uh, Yeah. And then, so that's, that's kind of where I got mixed up. Um, it, it will, however, the, the PlayStation 4 camera, uh, will need an adapter and they are giving those out for free. They haven't said exactly how they're going to be getting information from people to send out the, the adapters, but, uh, it's on the PlayStation blog that says, you know, if, if you have a original PSVR headset, uh, you can get in touch with, with Sony, and they will send those adapters out to you free of charge so your PlayStation 4 camera can work on the PlayStation 5.
3: Right. Now, the, the thing that leads to that was uh, in Japan, bundles are already coming bundled with that adapter. So any bundles you get now... Or like as of today, right now, are not going to have that bundle in it or that adapter in it more more than likely. But, mm-hmm. uh, no, no fear. Sony's actually going to be pretty good about this and and make sure everyone who bought in early is covered. So, yeah, I, I think it's a good, it's a, it's a, a perfect
1: if it, it's a perfect solution. That way, they're not spending the money mm-hmm. in order to you know supply these adapters with every single PlayStation right. Five sold. But you know Definitely. they're they're not charging for it. All you have to do is just contact them and, and, you know, they send it out to you if you need it.
0: Cool. Yeah. So HTC has been kind of uh, quieter lately. It hasn't had the best time of it uh, in the VR world or elsewhere, but they are back in the news on the software side of things. Uh, They have managed to cobble together a suite of mostly third-party software, uh, for productivity, uh, they're calling the Vive XR Suite. Josh, do you want to talk about that?
2: Yeah, so it's an interesting concept, right? Um, it, it definitely seems HTC has pivoted most of their attention to enterprise-focused um, endeavors, right? And so this seems to be kind of one of those uh, pillars of of productivity and focus on showing how... The XR world will empower us to work more and be better at coll- collaboration and all that kind of stuff. So this kind of feels to me like they're trying to do something like have the Microsoft Office of VR, um, because yeah. as you said, there's there's several different software solutions here. It's not it's not just one program or one app. Although it it interestingly it is is going to have one unified login. So that if helps. you if you use it, they'll have a, a free version, probably a freemium version, and then a, uh, a full paid commercial license version. Is um, it a
3: Facebook account login? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: I don't, I don't think you'll be required to, but you know, I would be really interested if you could log in with your Facebook login. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the subscriptions start at $30 per seat per month or $250 per seat per year. And when they say per seat, that usually means like a, a uh, an active user. So you could you could feasibly buy just a couple of seats for your organization and have them kind of a floating open login for your users to um, utilize, or or kind of like a license in a sense, right? Okay. Right. So it's it currently consists of Vive Sync for remote collaboration, Vive Sessions for virtual conferences. Vive Campus for virtual lectures, Vive Social for hanging out with friends in VR, and Vive Museum for VR exhibitions. Again, you can kind of see how these concepts intermingle, and it kind of feels like the, maybe these solutions shouldn't be their own distinct separate apps, but that's why I used the Microsoft Office analogy, because right. you know some of those apps kind of bleed into each other, right? They blend together in some ways, but they do have a core focus and a core purpose for being a part of the suite of apps that is in office. So I, I do enjoy that. They're, they're trying this out and trying to see how, um, how much of this sticks, so to speak. And really it's what, you know, enterprise people are looking for. You know, they want, if, if they're going to adopt VR for, let's say instead of zoom meetings, right. Um, They're going to want to be able to schedule an outlook calendar event and invite that just automatically launches Vive Sync, and on the the user's computer, right? It's gonna they want it. They're gonna want it to go directly into the meeting. You know, login credentials, everything already kind of put together. And that's what's really yeah. going to reduce the friction for enterprise users to use it day in and day out. What do you guys think?
0: Well, I'm always a fan it's... of them doing more productive more productive things in VR, but. Uh... I mean some of the some of the items in this package look very promising I've had very positive uh, experiences with engage VR chat it's an interesting one if you're kind of going for an office environment or uh, a a more professional yeah really
3: kind of, yeah it's I think you hit the nail on the head Josh it seems like a lot of these are more like different environments for the same app but um, but time will tell, and you know we'll we'll see what what it becomes, because right now it's it's kind of early. I think it'll really depend upon what people, you know, you util- end up utilizing the space for. Um, yeah. So how about that VRM or uh, <laughs> VR battle royale?
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so ready, man. i I had so much fun. In You've the been beta. playing this, right? Yeah.
3: So we're talking about Population One, which was the—it's uh, on the Quest Two box. It's the Battle Royale Fortnite of VR, um, or I guess maybe more like PUBG.
1: Uh, it, well, they're they're both VR, so I mean they're both Battle Royale, so you know, yeah, they're, I guess they're it, the same in that sense.
2: It feels a little more it's not cartoony i guess so to speak it's not cel-shaded like fortnite but it does feel more fortnite ish maybe that's because it has the building mechanism but it, I, I don't know it doesn't it doesn't feel as like uh stark like i i get in PUBG. I guess I, right it's hard to hard to quantify but it's yeah. definitely a fun a little game.
3: less call of duty a little more fortnite
2: yes yeah that's a good <laughs> yeah. way of putting it
3: there you
1: go. I I do like how uh, in order to uh, like heal yourself, you get food. Yeah. Uh, the main one is like a banana, and you actually have to peel the banana and then eat it. Um, yeah, and then it in your face. <laughs> in, in in order to uh, revive a teammate, you've actually got old school like shock paddles that you actually <laughs> have to rub together, and then yeah, you go you up to s- your your Fair buddy nice. and and shock them to to bring him back. And so yeah, it's it's you know got got some pretty good interactivity going on in in there can probably make some make for some really funny looking moments
2: yes absolutely oh it has a uh like when you pick up a gun you have to actually you know rack the first round sorry you have to put in a magazine you have to rack the first round um and one of my favorite things was the spectator mode that there's they have a a, like a a focus on the potential for esports from the beginning with with building this app and uh, it, it really shows. So, I honestly, I could have a lot of fun just spectating matches. I'm I'm a huge gamer at heart, but just it's so entertaining to have like you're you're kind of like this giant head in the sky spectator. Like the the players can't see you, but um, you can talk to your friends if you're spectating together. And uh, it it makes for a very entertaining experience even if you're already done playing the match, if that makes sense.
3: That's good. That is one of the issues for battle royales is what happens if you die in the first thirty seconds then what do you do? (laughs) So (laughs) But speaking of the this game being on the back of the quest two box, Uh um We didn't get to talk too, too much about it last episode, and Josh uh, wasn't able to be there with us, so we held off, we gave it a little time, you know, gave everyone a chance to kind of get their hands on the quest, get their feet wet in the new new system and everything, so Quest 2. If I'm not mistaken, all
0: of us have one now, right?
3: Yeah, every single one of us have. I finally joined the Quest train. I am no longer (laughs) the only one on the podcast who doesn't have a quest, so... We can, yeah. We we are all equals. Um, (laughs) That's definitely what I would call (laughs) a
0: a complicated launch.
3: (laughs) Yeah. um, There were a few hiccups. (laughs) uh, Namely, the Facebook situation. So, for those of you who remember, um, Facebook announced, uh, what was it, back in August, that there would be mandatory Facebook account uh, login to utilize oculus uh originally it was supposed to be the end of this year and i think they've pushed it um but they were saying you would have to have it to use the uh quest two. um that didn't go so well
1: that it did not Uh, (laughs) uh... there were reports that started to pop up pretty quick of accounts being instantly banned basically people and and these are apparently people that had never used Oculus before you know it's their first time and so they're actually having accounts created since it's required and within a couple minutes of them creating the accounts they get banned and the really bad thing about that as well, is it basically blacklists that information? Yeah. Right. So now you can't use that same email to try and spin up another account real quick, or or, or even or stuff your like own that.
3: information. So. Um. Yeah. There were there was. I started seeing uh, accounts of this the very next morning. Um, one guy on Reddit was talking about he signed up his son. Um, much to his dismay, he fi- he broke down and signed his son up for a Facebook account. Son was over 13, all the rules, he followed everything he needed to do with Facebook's guidelines, created the account, you know, signed up for a, an Oculus account, fired up the Quest, and he said within minutes, his son's account had been banned. Um, there were other accounts of people who had reactivated old accounts. Right. They, you know, they bailed on Facebook years ago and... They were like, well, I want to continue to play, so I'll reactivate my account. And then within hours, getting banned. Um, I think one of the worst ones I've heard so far was a guy who bought a Quest 2, or sorry, bought a Quest a few years ago and had spent around $200 in the Oculus Store on games and, and things like that, and... Was super excited about the Quest 2, pre-ordered it, got it on launch day, uh, signed up for a Facebook account because he had to, to, in order, like you are actually required to sign up for a Facebook account or merge your Facebook account with your Oculus account to even pair the Quest to your phone for the the um, setup. So there is, it's basically a paperweight without it. Um, and so he, you know, signed up for a Facebook account and was instabanned within minutes. And not only did that retroactively because the merging of your Oculus account, and your Facebook account are, is permanent and unreversible. Um, not only did that make his quest two a paperweight, it retroactively screwed his quest one over because he nice. could no longer log in. Right. So <sighs> Facebook's response to this has not been good. <laughs> um, and we warned about this, like go back, to our pre-Oculus, or sorry, Facebook Connect video. Um, and this was one of my major concerns. Uh, you know, what happens when you get locked out of your content? You know, effectively so- told, yeah, you don't meet our guidelines or something about your account doesn't make, you know, is fishy to us. Uh, all that money you spent is now locked behind a wall you can never get through. Um, there is an appeals process. But... Um, so far, people have had varying degrees of luck. I saw on Twitter that the one of the VR chat devs has had to three separate times now verify their identity uh, to keep their account because their account keeps getting temporarily disabled. Um, so, yeah, it's a kind of a fiasco. And the, the most I've seen in response has been uh, the VP of VR at Facebook saying to make sure your account is in quote-unquote good standing uh, before buying a Quest too, which no explanation of what that means <laughs> outside of just read the terms of service.
2: Um, wink, wink, nudge, nudge.
3: Yeah, and that's the problem is people don't know what they're being banned for. They're just getting right. banned. There's no, it just says you've violated our community guidelines or you violated our terms of service or something like that. And it gives a very vague explanation. And when people ask what happened, um, somebody posted a screenshot on Reddit of a a, a uh, chat session, and it said they said, "You know, I'm locked out of my account." And the I guess automated uh, attendant response was, "Here's how to here's how to uh, you know
1: appeal and
3: appeal or not even appeal. It was like uh, make sure your account make sure you don't get locked out of your account." And the guy was like, are you kidding oh, me? Yeah. Like, I'm contacting you because I'm locked out. Like, is this a joke? So, yeah. yeah, it's still kind of a mess. And I think people are still currently without access to their brand new headsets now a week into this this uh, debacle. Luckily, I, I don't think any of us have, have experienced yeah.
0: that. No, none of us. No one that I know personally has. I get the sense... Like as a a percentage of people, it's probably very low, but it's terrible PR and their handling of it has been significantly (laughs) less than you you might hope. Um, And I mean, I think for a lot of us that have not, you know, historically not had a, a particularly warm relationship with Facebook, it puts us in an unnerving position. I mean, I have a Facebook account that I created literally to do one demo at Oculus Connect three years ago and it has no content on it other than the one screenshot from that event, I was very nervous hooking it up to my account because I've got a lot of purchased software <laughs> in the Oculus ecosystem. Right. Uh, but it was the only way to activate it. So, I mean, you press the button, you hold your breath, and that's that's not really a good model. And, uh, I mean, we know that it's getting triggered by you know automated processes, but it doesn't seem like it's being then handed off to a human to... Make review. a better judgment call. So, I mean, I understand they got a lot of accounts going through, but there really ought to be a second level of vetting.
2: Do you think it matters to the, the average layperson
0: that's picking up the, the quest? If if I there's enough bad a, PR, sure. I mean, if you hear enough stories about people buying an expensive paperweight, then it becomes a problem. But I think for most people, most people either already have a Facebook account and, and really legitimately use it and don't care or or don't really have an aversion to Facebook's privacy policies. So, I mean, maybe it's less of an issue for most people, but it's certainly I mean, unnerving.
3: It's, <laughs> it's also affecting people who like from my understanding, it's it's not just if you have a new account or reactivated what? account. There are people who have they've just had their Facebook account they like one guy mentioned he he was scrolling through Facebook when his account got banned and it just stopped on him um and these are all you know obviously some of these you have to take with a grain of salt sure. it is reddit it is the internet yeah you know um but it, I mean the average layperson let's say the average consumer who's willing to drop 400 dollars on a VR headset right now chances are they know of or have been to reddit and if you go to the oculus subreddit right now I'd say a good portion probably you know 20 percent of the content right now is, about all of these things with Facebook's things, uh, Facebook's issues. Like I'm scrolling through uh, right now as we record uh, four, four uh, posts down Facebook account blocked. It's just one of those things where is it is it a high percentage? No. And they acknowledge that. Uh, the VP of VR, Boz, he mentions that the the number of instances is few. But when you're talking about a headset, which they touted today, the, the quest 2 is selling faster than the quest one did right um, when you're talking about a headset that's selling that fast and is going to be a hundred percent going to be a big deal you know cr- this Christmas season you don't want to give that to someone and it end up being a paperweight for a week because they have to sort out their Facebook issues um, so I, I think it's a concern certainly will it become big enough that it deters people from buying it? So far, no. But right. I think everyone who's getting it right now has already, you know, they already bought in.
0: So, so let's yeah, actually ahead. talk about the hardware. I mean, uh, I don't think anyone... Yeah, yeah. I don't think any of us loved the, the mandated Facebook <laughs> account requirement <laughs> no. and and it's been handled worse than we could have imagined. Uh, yeah. But the actual hardware, how are people feeling about that?
1: Time for review. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah, Yeah. so... um i think uh maybe what what'll be really good is maybe starting off with the uh, comfort um okay. i was i was actually surprised at how comfortable it was initially putting it on um a, a, again it is still a headset and has you know that front hanging uh weight problem um mm-hmm. And it it can get tiresome after a while, but I think for the most part, you know, the people that are using it that may use it for just an an hour or so will probably be okay. Um, but I have not messed with uh, the Elite Strap yet.
3: Who got one of those, Eric? I
0: I, I got got one. Right, I've got, got the Both, right? the
1: Elite Strap and the Elite Strap with battery.
0: Yeah. Um, so I've I've tried all three ways. And I am I'm with uh, with Kevin even just with the elastic strap that comes with it, it it's more comfortable than the Quest 1 with its default strap. I mean, it's not that much lighter, but I think because it's a little shallower, the, you know, the sort of lever arm effect
1: means that it feels significantly lighter. I think that's one of the big things is th- that it is shallower and yeah. you know, something that I don't understand why they don't do this is Like you you mentioned, the the kind of lever-arm effect. Yeah. The the strap is basically attached towards the rear of the headset when it should be attached towards the front. So that way it actually pulls the headset into the face more instead of that back part. And then, you know, you've got all the rest of the weight sitting in front of where the strap is attached.
0: Well, I think... Their line of thinking is that anyone that's using it enough to for comfort to become a significant issue is probably going to go ahead and pony up for the elite strap. Most and That changes the whole dynamic because but it's a rigid frame and it, it rebalances it quite a lot.
2: Just just I'm going to just say it just buy the elite strap. Yeah. Like if you're going to buy a Quest 2, just budget the extra $50. So right. I mean,
0: they knocked 100 bucks off the price of the, versus the Quest 1, so give 50 of it back for a better strap the The one with the battery is even better because it acts as a counterweight. Um, but I mean, oh. right now they're only selling the, the one with the battery bundled with a uh, a carrying case. So it's sort of was it one twenty nine? It's it's a little yeah. bit on the silly yeah one twenty nine expensive.
2: <laughs> Although you know, if if you think of it separate separate costs, like the quest the. Quest 1 carrying case, I think, cost me $50. Right. And then a, a battery that's attached to the Elite Strap. So if the Elite Strap's $50, that means the battery's $30 in cost. That's not too heinous. It's um, not ridiculous right. if you were going to get
0: all those things anyway.
2: Right. I, I have all of the exact
0: same complaints about their new carrying cases I did with their old carrying case. It's not a bad one. It's, it's acceptable. But having used a lot of different Quest carrying cases... There's plenty I don't love about it, and they haven't changed any of them. Um, oh, I see.
2: I think I think this go around we're going to see more third party accessories yeah, start to, to trickle so. out. It's it, you're, we're starting to see kind of a standard form factor for a standalone headset. We're also with the. I was surprised by how easy it was um, to remove the standard uh, headset strap to put yeah. on the Elite strap. It was very straightforward, and it. Um, it's a very simple mechanism, right? It's just a kind of a, a pressure uh, a lip. So I also see third parties making their own uh, elite straps, Definitely. Of, you know, different colors and different sure. designs and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, no, I mean the 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 method by which it you know, attaches to the headset is is very straightforward. I mean. I think you could very easily 3D print an adapter to use the deluxe audio strap with it. Uh, That's what I'm waiting for. Right, and I, I don't think it would be. I mean, I don't think it'll be long before third parties have their own straps out there, both less expensive ones and, and hopefully nicer or even better ones.
2: So the the deluxe audio straps from the original the OG Vive, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's a very common. Uh, piece of equipment that's used for what was called franken modding the uh the quest one right yes. so do you knowing you know you've 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 had the franken mod yes you've used it extensively how yeah. does it compare how does the franken mod compare to a quest 2 with the battery pack elite strap
0: with the battery pack in the back they are it the the, the elite with the battery may actually be just a touch more comfortable than the Frankenwald. the original elite without the battery in the back without the counterweight was probably a bit less comfortable uh, the big advantage of the deluxe audio strap is you actually get really nice headphones that snap down over your ears uh, integrated yeah. into it so that's I love that about it and I do hate that you uh, you give up a lot of audio quality
2: but so if you're if you're a new Purchaser, so to speak, and you're looking at these two options. Would you say, yeah, go to eBay and and try to find someone that has a a good uh, deluxe audio strap to pick up, um, or do you say go with the the new branded product? I'd probably go ahead and get the, the
0: the the new one with the the battery because I mean it just about doubles your battery life and it acts as a good uh, good counterweight. It's interesting because I mean it. It makes it feel significantly less heavy on your face. It's not pressing into your face because it's balanced so well. But you, where you feel the diff, uh, additional weight is in um, a slight sluggishness when you start moving. So you've got that inertia. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is heavier. And so mm-hmm. it's a little more effort to turn and move. Not a lot. But, I mean, it's it's noticeable. But in general, I'm a big fan of the, uh, the Elite Strike. I mean, I will say that the... <laughs> The plastic on it and everything seems a little cheap for the price points, but um, I mean I've gotten a little spoiled with the fit and finish on some things. Like the the index has got you know incredible you know production quality, but I mean as far as comfort goes and the fact that it just works right out of the box. Um, the, the battery integration is, is very elegant on the one with the battery. I mean, it's actually, they've got it spread and curved along the entire back. So it's not like a, a single wart on the back like the the VR power pod, which I think a lot of us also have. Um, it, it distributes the weight and all keeps it all very close to your center of balance. So it's, it's well designed. And I think anybody that's going to be, but I mean, the The standard elite audio strap without the battery really is quite good. So I mean, unless you wanted the battery and the the case anyway, just get the standard one. But if you were thinking about a battery and a case, then it is a really nice solution.
3: So I know it's not out there, but what I'd like to see is a third party audio strap similar to the Index with the standoff, yes, uh, you know, short range speaker. Uh, technology. I, I'd like to see something like that. I know it's doable. Yeah. Um, I just don't know how practical it is to see some, someone release that. But that's what I'd really love to see because that's a fantastic design. It it, it accomplishes what the quest is trying to do by piping the audio right. there. Um, what about but bone in such conduction? a better way? Say again.
2: What about what if you got like bone conduction audio? Uh, okay. Headphones?
3: So I use a bone conductive headset pretty much every day and the only issue with a bone conductive headset is sometimes external noise is a is a pain um and you while the quality is good um you do sometimes still have an issue with if your people start having a conversation next to you or something like that Mm -hmm. it can be a problem the index to the to my recollection um even when we were at a meetup and you had the index on, like you couldn't really hear people around you. You didn't have something on your ears, but you really couldn't, uh, you didn't notice the conversations that were going on around you too terribly much. So I would say it's good, but I would, I would probably prefer something like what the index offers.
0: And I very much hope we'll see something like that. I I want everyone to steal that design. It is. Yeah. It is a great design. I mean, that was, I mean, despite the you know the higher resolution and the you know the higher frame rate and all that on the index, my favorite feature of the index is the audio is those off the ear mm. headphones. I want everyone to steal them.
1: <laughs> well, it looks so like we'll get so, that with the just, uh, the Reverb G2, but
3: right. Just just for our uh, our listeners' information, apparently the the going solution on Reddit is either Velcro ties or double-sided velcro command strips to attach the vive deluxe audio strap to the quest <laughs> okay. 2 which is a little concerning but yeah. i mean go with what you got it doesn't look like there's a 3d printed Some, adapter out. somebody yet, will but give a time. Print one. it time it should yeah. be that long yeah. But, yeah um so that's comfort right we talked about that i think to death um
1: well i've i've, I've got a quick question um What's the longest everyone here has spent in the Quest Two in one go?
2: I've I've drained the battery three or four times. Okay, uh, Eric. Uh,
3: yeah, around an hour for me. It was during our um, our virtual meetup last week.
1: Okay, I mean, I I keep
0: it tethered to my desktop for development work all day. Uh, so I mean, it's on my head. Eight hours, but it's not necessarily in front of my eyes all eight hours.
2: <laughs> Sleep with it, Eric. Right.
1: So t- t- I, I've i spent maybe like uh, two hours or so with it kind of somewhat on and off, uh, me messing around with it. But to me, as of right now, it seems like it doesn't quite get as hot as the Quest 1. Uh, what, what, what about for y'all?
3: I haven't noticed any heat issues, yeah. I haven't really noticed a difference. It is it is being actively cooled, right? Yeah, I mean, well, yes, they, they, this... they both
1: were. Or they, they yeah, they both were
3: being actively cooled. The Quest 2 is being actively cooled slightly less aggressively, but it's also the CPU is being underclocked so that it right. doesn't generate as much heat. So you're, you're already dealing with probably less heat than you were with the Quest 1, so you can get away with a slightly more conservative uh cooling solution but i haven't noticed any major heat issues while wearing the headset um it's been actually pretty comfortable
1: and and yeah not not to say that like the quest one was was broiling or anything but to to me after a while you could definitely kind of start to feel the warmth inside the headset and and coming off the screen but uh with with the quest two um I noticed as I was passing my hand in front of it one time that you could feel the heat actually getting pushed out of it uh, quite a bit. Um, if you notice around the, the edge kind of towards the front, there's a little gap around the whole side. Um, it actually, it, I, I'm i pretty sure what it's doing is is it's actually pulling in air from the bottom of that gap and then going through the heat sink and then uh exhausting it actually out the top of that little gap at the at the front of the headset, you know, and kinda out away. Mm-hmm. So I I think I, I think that they're they're doing a really good job at getting the heat out of there because I bet it's actually probably running overall hotter than than the quest one with with this new chip. But it seems like they're able to get the heat out of it a lot better. Whereas I, I think the quest one, it mostly just kind of circulated, you know, air around inside of it. But it j- just, just a little something that I, kind of, kind of noticed myself, and so I was wondering if maybe y'all might have noticed it too.
2: I played Population One pretty extensively, and I played uh, uh, Pistol Whip, and both are very, um, especially Pistol Whip. You, you work up a sweat. I don't. I, personally, I don't think I, I saw any huge change, but I could definitely see with um, the the design there being a, a margin uh, of d- decrease in overall heat that stays trapped on your face. Let's put it.
0: I'm still lobbying for uh, just a, a little bit of pass through ventilation. <laughs> so I mean, I, I always build up a lot of heat and humidity when I'm being active. We'll see. Maybe maybe on the Quest Three. How are people feeling about the lenses on these? Um
1: so o- overall I'd I'd say they're good. Um it look it seems like they've changed them up a little bit. Uh I don't quite get the rays as much as I used to. Uh it seems, but it it feels like those rays have kind of turned a little bit more into the circles like you would get on the Vive lenses. Um but I, I, one thing that I've kind of found that was interesting with the the sweet spot and the the IPD and everything is for me having having it at a lower setting is actually much better than than what I've been used to I'm that I'm lower at, sitting you mean the narrower IPD setting uh, y- yes, yeah so okay. i'm I'm normally at like a sixty three or 64 millimeters. Okay. Uh, and when I set it on the uh, setting one, which I believe is 58, mm-hmm. uh, it it looks just as good, um, if not better. Because uh, I, I think the sweet spot on these is actually kind of uh, a, a bit of an oval shape instead of a circle shape. But I think it's towards the center of the lens to the outside is is what it seems like to me and so i was kind of messing around with them and setting them in between settings here and there and ever so slightly and it it seems like the the sweet spot is you know maybe dead on and small at the center of like at the exact center of the lens but you might have a little bit more wiggle room Towards the outside of the lens, so if you pull them in just a little bit, and and make it a little bit narrower, you you might find that the overall sweet spot is actually larger. Um, at least that, that's that's what I've found, and something that I found was kind of interesting on that.
3: Yeah, I haven't had to actually mess with the lenses at all, and to that to that same uh, comment, I actually haven't had to add the glasses spacer. Um, I probably will still add it but as of late as of uh getting it on and trying it out for the first little while I haven't needed to add the glasses spacer for my uh for my glasses which I do have to wear while in VR um which is kind of nice I don't have to do any extra special anything to to make it work and the like you said Kevin the sweet spot seems quite large so I don't really have any issues
0: It's definitely more forgiving with glasses than the Quest 1 was Yeah so and I And the
3: go even Yeah
0: So I definitely appreciate that. Um,
2: I feel like with the the nicer screen and the general improvements, um, there's probably um, a a good bit more margin of error for um, kind of wiggle room. Right. Even
0: even less than perfect probably still looks better than the Quest 1. Um, So let's talk about the screen. This is a... uh, you know, a significantly higher resolution screen and on top of that they switched from OLED to LCD and which implies that they switched from pentile to RGB stripe. So that's a lot of stuff going on there. but it, it means that in addition to the higher resolution, you also have more subpixels and you have smaller gaps between the subpixels. So um, how's everybody feeling about the screen? It's fantastic. It's fantastic.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no real complaints. I mean, like, I, I don't have the uh, the direct comparison quest one to quest two comparison that a lot that you know y'all do, at least in the in the idea of like using it day to day. My experiences with the quest have always been either at meetups or at uh, Oculus Connect in the past, so um, you know I can't speak to like one to one testing. But I will say, uh, you know, the screen seems, I I have noticed almost zero screen door effect. I am not really susceptible to it, so I'm not the best judge of that. Um, The resolution is great. I don't, I have not seen any issue with LCD versus OLED in that, uh, you know, in visually. Um, But yeah, all the experiences I've run on it have been really good, have looked really good. Um, You know, and, and that's, obviously that's lens screen combo, but um overall it's just visually it's been a really good experience even when you once you connect to Link which I know we'll get to in a minute. Sure. Um you know it's it's still pretty pretty solid.
0: Because most of the games, you know because of all of the games up to this point have been designed with the Quest 1 in mind and designed around its limitations, in some ways the difference doesn't jump out at you as strongly. Um You definitely notice it when you're reading small text. Like if you use the web browser, it is much more comfortable to use on the Quest 2 than the Quest 1. And I think as people start building specifically for the Quest 2 and taking advantage of it, you're going to see a lot of sharper detail. Uh, I've got a product I'm working on that has a lot of switches with labels next to them. And you're able to suddenly now read those labels without having to lean in close uh you can just read them that's comfortably good. from a sitting position which is a huge huge win um so that that additional resolution is nice the the reduced screen door is is very significant if you are sensitive to that if you're aware of it uh I especially notice it in like bright single color areas you don't get that uh, all those little black dots that were in between the pentile uh diamonds
2: the other thing that you you really pick up on um that's it takes time to really to start to see the subtle difference but it it's very pervasive in that on the quest one a a lot of developers kind of cranked the the fixed foveated rendering yes like way up just to always be able to hit better performance whereas the quest two has plenty of headroom for these these titles and so you end up with next to no fixed foveated rendering on top of a new higher res screen. And so everything just feels a lot more clear yeah, off right off the bat. No, I mean, in addition, I was, I was worried to
0: buy about how much of the additional performance would get eaten by the higher resolution screen, uh, just driving that and then potentially driving it at 90 Hertz, which we'll talk about later. Um, But I was impressed that there is significant headroom left over that you can spend on oversampling or on more complex geometry. Uh, I think as people start building, at least optionally for the Quest 2, you're going to see some really impressive visual improvements. We're we're just starting to see that in some products, but people really haven't had much time to uh, optimize for it. But it's a great screen. Uh, The only real negative I'll say is that because it's LCD rather than OLED, you definitely don't get um, the darks quite as well. You didn't get them yes. properly because they, they wouldn't let it go all the way to black on the OLEDs because of true black smearing being a problem. But for example, if you're watching the Felix and Paul um, Space One Space Explorers, which are phenomenal, and you absolutely should, whenever you're looking at it space space, it's, it's very gray. <laughs> so that's a little disappointing but that's really the only ding i would put on that screen it is a very nice screen
1: i'm yeah. i'm i'm right there with it that's to to me as of right now with the quest 2 overall that is my major kind of complaint or drawback for it is the the, the loss of contrast sure uh i i would say that it it's it's almost unplayable sometimes if you're in a uh, game that's a dark setting, and so I mm-hmm. I, I actually tried I, I wanted to try this with Half Life Alex because there's a lot of spots where you're in dark settings, and I I I guess I'm I'm over exaggerating saying that it's unplayable, but it. It really took a lot away with having that just kind of overall haze in those really dark areas, um, and and just kind of it, it was it was a pretty big disappointment to me, really. Yeah, you know, it just you know, it, it it doesn't feel like you're looking off into an abyss. You know, it you know it it feels like you're in a in a cloud or something instead and i think it can uh subtract from those moments uh again especially if if a game relies heavily on on those dark scenes uh like that so i'm I'm definitely going to put some more more time into it and explore it but it it seems like a a lot of the 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 contrast is has been pulled out of it right so that that's that's my only like real big kind of kind of let down to me but you know if if you're not doing that and you're you're playing other things that are normally you know much brighter
2: oh it's it's amazing for sure well there's also rumors now that they've already jailbroken the device so we might see some uh custom color palette changes to maybe more hardware level things down the road with something through side or something like that. I'm not sure how much you can maybe, push it with software, but...
0: but I mean Facebook, you know, did a, a talk about HDR and their experiments trying to get HDR into a headset, which sounded significantly harder than I expected it to, but it at least means that they're it's on their radar. So maybe by the time we hit the quest three, the contrast issues will be less of an issue.
2: Yeah, I just think that I think that you know you would want a a specific contrast and 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 all that kind of stuff in, as a certain profile for something like Elite Dangerous or you know games that are predominantly darker, and then you'd want to have you know uh, more pop and and higher color contrast in something like Beat Saber, I guess, or or something that's more flashy and I mean, colors stand out more. You know. Yeah.
0: Well, people design around the limitations of the hardware and they've been sure. up to this point designing around OLEDs. <laughs> so I think right. there will be some design decisions that are made differently now that you're seeing uh, LCDs becoming the mainstream screen. But uh, yeah. I do hold out hope for HDR in the next generation.
1: For sure.
3: So Eric, you were doing some testing earlier today. We were yes. talking about it with the with the Link because the issue or or the speculation i guess was that you could force the headset you could force so the quest the quest 2 to be clear uh launched with 72 hertz is the standard there's an experimental feature in the home environment you can turn on 90 hertz some apps are supposed to support 90 hertz but not yet right you can patch virtual desktop to get 90 hertz but you have to Install it officially, then patch it through SideQuest. Is that right?
0: Uh, that's, I mean, you have to patch it in order to do like Steam VR pass through. Um, right. But no, what you uh, any app you can force into ninety hertz, uh, okay. either using an ADB command at the command line, or if you get the latest version of SideQuest under the tools menu, there's a button to switch between seventy two nice. and ninety. You you launch the application you want, you press ninety, you turn the screen off and back on again, and then it'll be in ninety hertz. Uh, if you're paranoid about it, you can always run the um, uh, the diagnostic overlay, which will show the the frame rate, uh, both the frequency and what your actual frames per second are. Um, right. I'm it's it's interesting because everybody's got a different threshold for what level of uh, refresh rate they need to feel like everything's smooth and responsive. Uh, I definitely feel the difference between 72 and 90. Um, I've been spending so much time in 72, I'd forgotten how nice 90 is. And when I turned that on at home, it was uh, breathing a sigh of relief. Uh, there are plenty <laughs> of people in my office who cannot tell the difference at all. And and I will own up to the fact that I cannot tell the difference between 90 and 120 or 144 because we've run the experiments with a uh, a valve index and I mean, doing a, a single blind test where somebody says, okay, I just changed it. Is it better or worse? It looks the same to me going from 90 to 120, 144. But there are people who do see the difference. And if they can see the difference, greatly prefer the higher frame rates. So I,
2: I also question about, you know, a headset or a, rather a screen running overclocked hertz um, versus a, you know, like a G sync, free sync kind of. Uh, capable screen that's built for 240 or 360 Hertz of these really redu- ludicrously high, um, refresh rates. Uh, I, I wonder if it's, if it's not just, um, the, the scaling and whether or not someone's able to see it, but also whether or not the screen, even if it's technically capable of hitting those frame rates, um, if, if the the clarity and what you want out of those All higher right, uh, refresh rates aren't actually coming through because you're pushing the panel beyond its, its uh, quote-unquote, capabilities.
0: John Carmack talked a little bit about that at uh, Latest Connect, saying that the panel is capable of, in the Quest 2, is capable of 120 hertz, but is technically out of spec for it. And he said that it's particularly an issue if the panel has been cold. For example, if it was sitting in the trunk of your car during winter and you brought it inside, said you can get some ghosting because the pixels aren't quite shifting to their new uh, gray level at the speed that the the refresh rate requires them to. So yeah, you're you're absolutely right. If you start pushing things beyond spec, you don't necessarily get the full benefit uh, because you get some annoying uh, side effects. Um, Fair warning, if you do kick things into 90 hertz, there, there's a reason why it's not on by default. Um, there are some apps that do not handle it well. Uh, I don't remember which one specifically, but there's a list of them that do not react well to being forced into 90 hertz. I did try forcing Oculus Link into 90 hertz just to see if I could do desktop VR in 90 hertz uh, earlier today. At the very least in my testing, I did not have good luck with that. When i push it to 90 hertz, it would crash. Um... And I'll I'll do more experimentation with it because Link is very fidgety for me always. Um, I did try doing it through side uh, through um, virtual desktop with the patch so that it can run Steam VR games uh, wirelessly, and that I was able to force to 90 hertz. But right. even with a 2080 Ti in my system and a fast Wi-Fi connection, uh, I was not consistently hitting frame rate on a lot of games when I tried to do it. Um, I think there's just too much overhead in the compression that they're doing. So, but it is still in the works. Yeah. Still work in progress. And I mean, honestly, the, the number of, I think the percentage of people that will really be aware of the difference between 72 and 90 Hertz is probably fairly small, but I like it. It's a nice to have, and I'm looking forward to it being officially supported.
3: So audio, um, we touched on this earlier with the headphone discussion, we're getting the same audio piping uh, method. It sounds fine to me. I mean, it's it's better than the go. Yeah, it's not as good as having headphones. No, but
2: not. At I don't all. expect
3: it to be <laughs> right. Um. Yeah, that, that's the only downside I think for that deluxe audio strap is the the lack of headphones. Right. Um. That the audio piping is fine for your general pick up and play stuff, but if you're going to get into an experience like Kevin mentioned, if you're going to link use the link and and play Half Life Alex, or you know you're going to get into something that's pretty story heavy, I, I don't think it really fits the bill. What do y'all think?
0: It definitely lacks a lot of bass, <laughs> and and the clarity is a little bit muddy. But, um yeah, for for just pick up and play, it's, it's entirely fine. It's much like the Quest 1, it, it has an audio jack. You can put on your own headphones. It's just a matter of having to do it blind after you put your headset on. Or getting something like the, you know, they've, they've got various clip-on ones, the VR ears that are coming out from Rebuff. And then uh, what are the the names of the ones that were for the PlayStation VR that you can adapt? The Mantis? Um, Mantis, yeah. Mantis, yeah. yeah. Mantis. So, I mean, you, you can strap aftermarket ones on there. It's it's fine. It really is fine, but I, I've always said that audio does not get as much respect as it should for what it can add to the VR experience and your sense of presence. So really high quality audio makes a big difference. Um again, I want them to steal what they did with the index. Those were really okay. high quality and they floated over your ears so you didn't get the ear fatigue. Uh, And you had the convenience of, you know, you just put it on and you didn't have to put on headphones afterwards.
2: I would love for Valve to make the ear speakers a standalone product. That would be pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Um, You know, the Oculus in their store offers the Logitech G333, which are just basically little earbud, typical earbud um, headphones. And the the Logitech G Pro, um, which are cans that fit over your ears. Both are okay. quote-unquote Oculus-ready, which all that really means is they have a short cable, which right. is nice because it doesn't give you <laughs> extra fatigue and, yeah. and something to, to catch on something while you're flailing around in Beat Saber, but um, $50 for the, the regular earbuds and $100 for the cans doesn't seem like a, a huge uh, up, upgrade in, in sound quality over any other kind of headphones, but... Any headphones, like you guys are saying, right. are going to be a to be significant improvement. improvement. No, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and I've I've heard that the drivers in the Quest Two is actually a little bit more powerful as well. So, uh, for th- for those that may have some higher impedance headphones uh, that usually you know audio files kind of get into, uh, it, it may actually be able to work with with some of those. But yeah. I I haven't really tried it out or anything yet though.
2: It really depends on what's important to you at the end of the day, right? But I, I feel like for experiencing VR, if you're looking at the quest and you're you're under a certain budget, I would I would definitely prefer the elite audio or not the elite, the, the elite head strap first. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you. You know, if you plan on playing a bunch of games, I would say, you know, the 256 gigs is very nice to, to have, you know, kind of some breathing room as far as how much content you can store. Um, the, then for me, it would be then the battery pack. And then after all of that, I would consider um, adding on uh, headphones and stuff like that. Because really, honestly, for the Quest for standalone, um, it's it's a, usually a scenario for me where I just want to throw it on and go and play. Right. Mm-hmm. And... Putting on some cans in, in addition to all that just feels so much more. I guess yeah, a little it's bit convoluted. convoluted. Yeah, like it's the, had, back had to, to the off. old
3: 2016 days of, of VR. Right.
0: <laughs> no, I mean you know forget all the hassles of having to you know have, deal with all the cables and putting uh-huh. on the headphones on top of everything else. It was a pain. It was a real pain.
3: Yeah. So the the next thing then would be controllers because they did redesign them a little bit from yeah. the Quest one uh slash uh rift s because they're the same controllers right Mm -hmm. um i don't hate them um they're not bad they're not i don't know that there was particularly anything wrong with the quest one design but i mean other than people complained about the uh the 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 movement of the oculus button uh, right from one side to the other but i mean otherwise other than that really like I'm pretty happy with them. I don't. You don't really notice the the bigger touch area, or I guess thumbstick pad area, right? Whatever you want to call it, touch surface. It's subtle. Um, when you're in VR, I don't notice it much. It's still really ergonomic. It's still Oculus. They're still really good at making those controllers.
0: Yeah, I have no complaints uh, with them. You, yeah.
1: Yeah. The, the The only thing that I ever really heard about the Quest One, you know the that, that version of, of touch was uh, if you're playing some certain games where you're moving around a lot is the battery compartment would slide open. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and then the battery might kind of pop out a little bit. Uh, but so they actually changed the design. It's got a stronger spring in there. Uh, so it'll actually hold, it'll hold the battery in place a little bit better as well as um, the, the covers stay on a little bit better. But yeah, the, these i Overall I I st- I I love the original Quest or the the original Oculus Touch controllers. Sure. I love the the Quest and Rift S controllers. Uh these do feel a little bit more beefy. Yeah. Uh maybe mm-hmm. a, a little bit heavier than yeah, they feel than a little the than, than the uh than the previous ones the, the the Quest. Um and you know they they are a little bit bigger on on the top so that's kind of nice. Uh, every once in a while, you, you might kind of accidentally hit your thumb on that, that ring uh, with the uh, Quest uh, controllers. Um, but this one, I don't think you really have to do that because that faceplate is quite a bit bigger. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of curious why they ended up going back to that as well. Uh, yeah. you know, so th- that'll be kind of interesting to see if they really start to try and do something with it or maybe they have some kind of hidden plans with it or, or something like that you know it hasn't been talked
0: about much but one thing when they made the, the the top of the touch controller wider they've got that spot for you to rest your thumb over to the left of the the bna buttons or to the right yeah of the X yeah, and yeah, y yeah buttons that's, that's what I and that actually about. has a capacitative sensor in, it, and that's something that they've restored from back on the original yeah, yeah, exactly. touch i did days. notice that so as a programmer, I was suddenly like, whoa, hang on. I actually have an additional spot to model. Um,
3: yeah, I did like that. I noticed that whenever uh, whenever I first jumped into the headset that it did have that capacitive touch point again. Right. Yeah,
1: and, and, I, and that's why it's bigger. Right. That, that faceplate is bigger.
0: And I think the, yeah. the haptics are slightly improved. They're not nearly as good oh, as the yes. original
1: touch, but they are better than the Quest 1 touch. They, they definitely feel stronger yeah. than than the Quest controllers. So,
0: in general, I'm pretty happy. It's I mean, it's not all the way... The, the original Touch controllers were amazing. Um, yeah. These are at least, you know... Uh, not that there was anything wrong with the, the Quest controllers, but they weren't quite as good. And this at least ratchets back yeah. a little bit of that. <laughs> so. so,
3: have any of y'all played with the hand tracking features. I know that was something that was available on the quest one. Right. Um, I did get to play with it a little bit. I'm honestly not impressed. It's kind of the same old, same old hand tracking, um, you know, pinch gestures to do things. Um, I did like the, the was not the okay sign, but it was, uh, it's like first and middle finger to bring up the menu. That's a nice touch. Um, But otherwise, I haven't actually gotten to do any experiences that use the hands, Um, the "quote unquote" hands app that you open in the Quest Two is literally just to turn the feature on, right? Um, and walk you through the the menus. I think the Wizards has uh, a hand tracking feature, so I'll have to I'll have to fire Mm -hmm. that up and take a look at it. Yeah, there's there's three or four. um, Have y'all played around with it at all?
0: Yeah, it felt exactly the same as it did on the Quest 1. <laughs> which So no no major developments. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it was merely okay on the Quest 1, and it's merely okay on the Quest 2. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed on that. And Carmack mentioned that they're using the same outward-facing cameras for the Quest 2 as right. they did with the Quest 1. So that's not a surprise. Maybe yeah. they could throw some additional processing power at it but the real limitations are on the resolutions of the camera, the positions of the camera. There's just way too many poses you can put your hands in that are not tracked well. So, um, I'm, but at least works well enough that, I mean, if they do, I know they've got their whole, um, what do they call the office thing where they Infinite infinite office, infinite office. I mean, if they actually start tracking my keyboard and mouse so that I can see them. And then I've got my hands tracked so that I can find the keyboard and put my fingers on the keys. Uh, that would make something like you know using virtual desktop uh, a totally viable desktop monitor replacement I can suddenly have a 55 inch monitor and that's that's pretty cool I would be in
1: favor of that
3: was there any other experimental features or anything like that that we hadn't talked about you guys want to cover before we sign off for the night
1: uh, I actually have been messing around a little bit with the, uh, double tap to pass through feature, oh, yeah. which is actually pretty oh, neat. Oh yeah,
3: I did see that that's a thing.
1: Uh, so you, you have to turn it on, but whenever you do, you just do a quick little two taps on the, on either side of the headset. It's just kind of looking for those two little jolts and then it'll go right into, to a pass through and then you double tap again and you're right, right back in. Uh, so that, that was, that was pretty neat. I like the easy access to it, but I do accidentally
0: activate it a lot of times when I'm putting the headset on uh, or taking it off. Yeah. The The Rift S, if you double click the Oculus button, that's what toggles it on and off. And I'm not quite sure why they didn't do that on the, the Quest.
3: Yeah, that would make a little more sense.
0: Except that I think double tap activates the voice control features on the Quest, doesn't it? If you have uh, that turned on. I remember, remember that. So yeah, I think for that's look. why it's it's not available for that. But I, I do wish you could okay. activate it from the the hand trackers as opposed to double tapping the side of the, the headset.
1: But I, I do like the pass-through. And, and I, I did notice that was another little uh, experimental feature in there was the uh, yeah. the, the, the speech um, right. commands. Uh, I, I haven't been able to, to mess around with that. But um, two other quick little little notes that I kind of found about the, the Quest headset that I thought were kind of interesting was um one being the the nose gap kind of as you look down through the headset was actually quite a bit smaller than yeah, previous headsets at least at least to me um so th- that's that's kind of nice uh another nice little thing that I haven't heard anyone else mention uh you know within this group or outside of our group is they rotated the power port, on the side of the headset by 90 degrees. True. So now, if you have the Quest link official cable, uh, in the old one, it would either point straight down or straight up. But in this one, it now finally, since they rotated at 90 degrees, it now points backwards along the headset. That's a very yeah, good smart. So, I think, it's more,
3: I think that has to do with uh, them realizing that Quest, well, it was designed now with quest in mind. And we've mentioned before that quest, I think was an added feature or sorry, oh, like, link was like an added link, yeah. feature. Yeah, I, don't, I keep saying quest. Um, it was an added feature to the quest. So now they were like, well, all right, well, if people are going to be plugging cables into this thing, we should probably make it, you know, make sense. So uh,
2: I, I want to add um, a sentiment. I in, in an effort to not sound like a broken record and, say i wish oculus would um work more with more enterprises and business side of things but maybe i'll go with the tack of like eric said earlier please people steal some of these ideas <laughs> yep um the, the give removable... us a quest competitor yes. yeah so, so old you know htc did a did uh confirm today that they are working on and plan on releasing a uh a successor to their standalone five focus plus uh, give us a good quest competitor <laughs> so you know the the uh the re- easily removable strap for yep. cleaning um the easily removable face plate for cleaning mm-hmm. um kevin's feature that he just talked about the double tap to do pass through all these things are very they seem like yeah. simple things but in it in a uh commercial space in an enterprise space where cleanliness where it's going to be shared by a lot of people these are the very very critical important details that need to be taken into account and honestly really it should be a a, just a a bare standard for every vr headset because yeah look at the world we're in and lord only knows what's going to happen moving forward let's plan for the future right
0: absolutely
3: And with that, guys, I think that's it for this week. And we will see you all next episode. And everybody stay safe, stay sane. Enjoy your Quest 2s if they're actually functional. <laughs> and uh, fingers crossed for all those who are dealing with Facebook account issues. Hopefully they get that resolved sooner rather than later and you can join us in the virtual world.
2: Hey, hey, William, why don't eggs tell jokes?
3: Uh, why?
2: They'd crack each other up.
1: <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> all righty then Ugh. good night everybody <laughs>
0: see you guys
3: Bye. thank you so much for listening to this episode of virtually relevant If you liked it please consider rating and reviewing us on your favorite podcast app it helps bring us up in the charts and makes us easier to find if you'd like to support houston vr and this podcast please consider becoming a patreon member at patreon.com slash houston vr until next time thanks for listening